This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're going to continue our series and uh, we're going to close it out today called Moving Forward. And uh, I'm grateful for the um, good reports that some of you made a decision to lay down some weights and some sin. Uh, last week we had several that forgave and had just uh, healing in their heart and breakthroughs. So grateful for that. But let me say this. If, if you have heard the series and there's not something that you've got before the Lord that you're dealing with, I haven't done my job. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I'm perfect. Well, no, you're, you got pride. <laughs> there's, there's something that God wants to deal with, I believe, for every person. And this series is not just to be heard and you don't do anything about it. Ask God, is there a weight in my life? Is there something that's hindering my walk, me moving forward? Is there sin in my life? You can be unaware of it, and God can put his finger on it, but we overcome it not by our own strength. It's through his strength. Amen? Well, Pastor, I'm just better than other people. See, I, I just don't have an issue. Well, you're self-righteous. The Bible says to think of others more highly than you do yourself. Well, let's read our verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2 is kind of our theme verse for this series. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it's set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So recognizing these weights and sins is important if you want to move forward. If you're not moving forward, I would say you need to lay aside some weight or so, some sin in your life. And the weight could be you're addicted to sports and you can't turn off the TV. That's a, that's a weight. It's not a sin to watch sports. But if it starts consuming your life, you don't have time for God. It's a weight. And you need to get it off. You need to get out of your life. A sin. Well, the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. Is there some places that you know you're not in faith at all? Okay. I'll hit you here somewhere. Lay aside means to cast off, put away. It's an action word of decisive action. It means you have to want to take care of this weight. You have to want to take care of the sin. And you have to take action. Now, when you take action, there comes the grace of God to empower you to overcome it. In Colossians 3, 8, we talk about now you must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. He's talking to Christians here. Stop lying. 
Stop getting angry. Stop the wrath. Stop the obscene talk. You mean Christians can curse? It says, put it away. G chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 4. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago had secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of God, catch this, who changed the grace of God into a license for immorality and denied Jesus Christ as our only sovereign and Lord. It's the same today. People try and justify living in sin, living with weights and sin, and they say, well, I'm under the grace of God. That's not what grace teaches us. Grace teaches us to live godly. Grace empowers us to overcome sin. But I've had people actually tell me, and they've used as an excuse that they can sin because of the grace of God. That's ridiculous. Jesus said whoever sins is a slave to sin. And was the wages of sin? Death. So it's ridiculous to have that kind of thinking. Grace, and thank God for his mercy and his grace, but God wants us to get stronger. He wants us to move forward. We should be going from glory to glory. There should be a difference in our life. And God's not giving us a spirit of fear. But how many Christians are in fear? If you watch the news too much, it can drive you to fear. <laughs> but God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And we saw that was self-control, a well-balanced mind. You can have self-control. You can be disciplined because it's offered by God. I'm just an undisciplined person. Well, ask God for the discipline that he offers. A sound mind is a good thing. And you read and you, you hear what people say and you wonder where the sound mind is gone. Grace allows us to lay aside the weights and to run the race with endurance. So I want to look at this morning for just a few moments is really our thinking and I was thinking about Pastor Rob when he did the series on alignment. This is really the, the nuts and bolts. You've got to align your thinking with the Word of God. If you don't have those two together, you're not going anywhere. I mean, your tires are flat. You're not moving down the road. Because God is not going to bless a carnal mind that's against him. It says in Romans 8, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many want life and peace? Be spiritually minded. What's spiritually minded? Word minded. What God says minded. Because the carnal mind or the flesh is enmity against God. 
It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I love God. I believe in God. Well, if you're walking around the flesh, you're not pleasing them. It's just like a, a parent with their child. I love you, but you're not pleasing me with your behavior. It's, just, it's the same thing. And you're not going to get the blessings of dad or, or father if you're not pleasing father with the behavior. If you're not pleasing the parents. I told you to go clean your room 10 times. You know what? Let's go get you a big old Big Mac. Let's celebrate. But a lot of Christians expect God to do that. Where's my blessing? Where's my blessing? And he's saying, get the weights off. Get some air in the tires where you can drive down the road. Get moving. It's going to hurt me to get the weights off. No, it's going to liberate you. It's freedom. See, there's got to be a part of you that knows that whatever God wants for me is best for me. I know the one who loves me the most has his best interest for me. And that's what I want. So that's the reason I repent. I change. Enmity. Listen to what this means. Extreme opposition. Hatred. The quality of being an enemy. That's what the carnal mind is. It's a hatred towards God. It's an opposition to God. Extreme opposition. The quality of being the enemy. To live in the flesh, and I could say it like this, living in the flesh or any way we want to, puts ourselves in opposition, hatred. It puts ourselves as an enemy to God. Now, he's an enemy to our ways, not us. Say our ways, not us. Because if... If you think that he's an enemy to you, you'll not go to him. As we talked about, if you believe there's punishment and there's unacceptance by God, you're not coming to God, you're running from God. But we're to run to God. When we mess up, we need to run to him, not away from him. So he is an enemy to our ways but he's still in love with us. I know that God loves me. So I surrender myself. I humble myself to him. I don't want to be a slave to sin. Because if I'm a slave to sin, I'm, I'm following the orders of that sin. And I'm being dominated and controlled. Until you make a decision to cast off the sin and the weight, it's not moving God's not moving it. God's grace is not being applied until you make a decision. Enough is enough. I'm not going to allow this depression to rule and control me any longer. I will not allow it to. I call upon the grace of God to flood my thinking. I'm going to think like you think, God. Just come to him with a humble heart. 
Nothing's too big for him. You don't shock him. You don't upset him. Bob, that request is just too big. You don't upset him. So you've got to say, I reject this. This is a weight in my life. This has hounded me for too long. The past or this disappointment, this regret has been a part of my life and the past is hindering me from moving forward and I have to lay it to the side and say no more. And you got to listen to God. He's speaking to us. But I tell you, we can be so weighted down that we don't hear. James 1 Verse 21, so get rid of all the uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness and in the humble, gentle, modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power, say contains the power to save your soul. But be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. See, I have to repent, which means to change your mind. If you look in the Old Testament, it's a different word. New Testament is change your mind. But it's not just changing our mind like we think of changing our mind. Uh, do you want to... McDonald's, you want Wendy. Uh, I want McDonald's. Oh, no, I changed my mind. I want Wendy's. Yeah, that's what we think, change your mind. I'm talking about something deeper than that. I'm talking about changing your mind, changing your direction, going totally opposite of what you were going. Believing, stepping out on what God says. Repentance is not a bad word, it's a good thing. It's in the Bible. It's a good word because it can take off the burden. It can change what's weighing down your soul. It can set you free. If you hear the word, it says here, if you hear the word and you don't apply it, you're in deception. How many want to be in deception? How many are deceived and you know you're deceived? Well, if you know you're deceived, you're not in deception. Never mind. Repent because I know my Father loves me. I know his way is the best. But you're going to be standing still if you keep hearing the word. And you can read the word every day and never apply it. And you're deceived. When I read the word, I have to say, how does this apply to me now? It's not two days from now. How does this apply to me now? How, Holy Spirit, can I put this in application in my life now, today? That's what God wants. I'll never forget when I got saved. When I gave my life to the Lord and I'm, I'm at work and <laughs> I told you last week about telling my friend I heard God say, hey, hey Bob, and I'm all excited with it's all over the place, you know, that I'd gotten this, I'd gotten saved, radically saved. I mean, I'm, I'm a nut. I didn't have no wisdom. I mean, I'm just going around spouting off telling everyone. 
I go up on break, and we have our crowd up on break that we always go together. And we're sitting, sitting around these couches, and we're having a good time. You know, it's what we did every break time. And I go up, regular break time. And what do I do? Say, guys, I've got to tell you something. Jesus saved me. I got saved. And I'm, I'm just going off on what Jesus did. And I got the shock of my life. I was shocked to the very core of my being at what took place next. Each of these guys started going around. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. And I, me, not knowing to go, oh, that's great. I'm so glad. I go, really? I didn't have a clue, guys. I'm, and I was being sincere. <laughs> it woke some of them up. They go, oh. I mean, I couldn't recognize them. I didn't know it. I thought they were just as a heathen as I was. They sounded like it. In fact, I thought they were worse than me. I've been saved for years. Really? And I'm, I'm, what happened to you? <laughs> what happened to you? I hope it doesn't happen to me. Or did what happened to me happen to you? I said, I can't imagine going back the other way. And <laughs> See, God wants us to let our light shine. But if you're weighted down with weights and sin... Your light's so dim that no one could see it. And we're not going to reach a lost and dying world. Well, I'll let someone else bring the gospel, bring the good news, and be the witness. Who else is going to reach your world but you? A believer. Who else is coming but a believer with the truth? That's us. John 8, verse 31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Abide means to faithfully be committed to the teachings of the word. And this means to apply them to your life. What makes you free? The truth. The truth that you know. And know there's the term intimacy. Being intimate, it's the same word that's talked about husband and wife having relations, sexual relations, intimacy, knowing, the oneness. It's the same term. When you get to know the word and you're intimate with the word, it will set you free. But we have to continue in the word. And I tell you, a, a weight and a sin is our time getting squeezed out where we have no time for God. We have no time for the Word. We're too busy. We come home, we just vegetate. And I, I know we're, we're tired. I understand that. But we'll vegetate in front of a TV that's going on with the bad news. <laughs> when we... And if you'll just take a few moments and get some good news, you'll start getting some refreshment. Yeah. You'll get refreshed. Instead of just falling asleep in front of the TV. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
Then you go, you go to bed. Oh, I need to pray. Uh, Jesus, Jesus. I talk to you in the morning, Lord. <laughs> to know. Revelation knowledge is another term that we use for know. Revelation knowledge. Once it's revealed, it's revelation, nobody can take it away. So that's another term that we use. Disciple here means discipline follower. Well, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a discipline follower. Well, he tells us how to be. Continue in the word. Stay in the word. You'll be a disciple, a disciplined follower of the Lord. And that truth that you hear will set you free. And we go from freedom to freedom. I don't know how many times in the beginning I thought I was totally free. And then the Lord showed me something else. But the truth will set you free. So disciples faithfully continue in the word, hearing and doing what it says, being totally submitted to the truth. These are the ones that become intimate with the truth. And these are the ones that experience true freedom. So we got to continue in the word of God. So, you know, the question is, are you a disciple? That means you're staying continually in the word of God, doing it, hearing it, and doing it. Freedom comes from the truth, and we know truth is under attack in our society. I mean, we live in a world where truth has been changed, <laughs> where uh, this postmodern philosophy, a, a culture that says, you know, it might be true for you, but not for me. And it's all this muddling of the water. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to blur right from wrong. He wants to change what is truth. He wants us to back up from the word of God. It can happen to any of us. It, it, it's, it's everywhere. And we have to always go back to the word. I'm not saying you have to spend hours in the word. You just need a daily dose to combat what's out there. Because there's a bunch of lies out there. It's a bunch of stuff. It doesn't make any sense. I can listen to the news now, and it used to be that it would make common sense. You could see the other side, usually from a place, well, this is a perspective of common sense. And now, a lot of times, it doesn't make common sense. A worldly philosophy where truth is relative to a person's situation or beliefs. No absolute values. It's truth based on a person's point of view. So all points of view are equally valid. That's not what the word says. We have an unchanging truth, and it's the word of God. And we have to make time for the word of God in our life. George Barnum said that um, the teenage uh, millennials... Uh, this teenagers, I think the age 20 is what he took, but he said there are no absolute, no absolutes in their life. They're comfortable with contradictions and values and philosophies. In other words, they will uh, compromise truth very quickly. Why does that happen? It's because 
we have to make sure they know the truth and they continue in it. They go off to college. I was speaking uh, to a man at the National Day of Prayer. Um, got to pray during that, and one of the uh, pastors, he was, uh, had worked with youth on college campuses. And I said, how are the college campuses? And he said, they're awful. He said, because they're being fed so much garbage. And he said, even those that were raised in the church are listening to all this garbage over and over and over and they start to compromise truth and they start to question the Bible and many are walking away from God. And he, I thought he was going to weep right there. He said, it hurts my heart to see what's happening. And he said, we got to do something. I said, what can we do? And he said, you know, I, I, I asked God that. You know what? And, I, and he said, I just keep going back to families and, and, and a family unit where they teach and train their children to respect and love and value the word of God. And he, he said, that's what I keep coming back to. Because he said when they, they get there, some of them love God and they come and to our group and then they're gone. Because the pull of the world is so strong. To the believer, the truth is the word of God. So what's the battlefield? It's our minds. Christianity is not about getting more of God. We already have all of God we're going to get. Holy Spirit's come to live on the inside of us. It's, it's getting our minds to understand what we already have. We have his presence. And people are going around there, spending all the time. Uh, a pastor told me that I had some people leave their church because there was some place um, out east that they said there was an open heaven. He said, what do I tell them? said, tell them they have an open heaven already. I walk around for open heaven. I have access to the throne of grace. What more do I want? Oh, there's another throne over there. <laughs> no. Jesus lives inside of me. Now, could there be a, a gathering where they're having corporate anointing? Yes, that's a, that's a different thing, but... They thought that to hear from God, they had to go there. I don't believe that. I believe you can get in a secret place and God will speak to you. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Christianity is less about the facts of life and more about the truth of God's word. The promises of God that conquer the facts. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish, uh, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Capturing those thoughts. You know you're have the responsibility of controlling your thoughts. You have the responsibility. What you think. We need to start thinking. What are we thinking about? 
Because is it life or death? Strongholds. Huh? Just very simple. Anything we feel powerless to change. And that's a lie. Because there's power to change. Because of the Lord. To change even though it's contrary to the word of God. Arguments. This is two contrary opinions. The Greek word means to reasoning or logic hostile to the faith. A reasoning or a logic hostile to the faith. Pretense is a fact based on false assumptions. So the enemy attacks our mind. He brings us these thoughts and he's, he's attacking with different voices and things we hear around us. And we have to resist those thoughts and take upon us his thoughts, what God says. And that means you have to be active. You have to capture that thought and look at, according to the obedience of Christ who walked and was my substitute, is this for me? No, it's not. Cast it out. Get rid of it. Ellie and I heard a, a testimony, a lady who, uh, she was hurting in her body. She didn't know what was wrong. And she went from... Um, Doctor to doctor, they couldn't find anything. Finally went to a doctor, found out it was a cancer, had a very short time to live. She was a believer. She believed in healing. She got before God, and she said, God, I want to live. I'm too young. I have young kids. I, I want to live. And the Lord spoke to her and said, don't own it. Don't own the cancer. Fight for your life. Just as clear as could be. And she took that and said anytime she heard a doctor say, you're cancer or whatever, I don't own it. It's not mine. And she fought for her life. And she's totally healed of that fourth stage cancer. I'm saying there's some things we don't need to own. We need to reject it. And we have the grace and the power, the divine ability of God to reject it. No wonder we're supposed to reign in this life. We're supposed to be dictating some things instead of being dominated by some things. One of the great things uh, or great attacks of the enemy is this, and it's not in your notes. It's James 1, 5 through 8. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with a divided loyalty as unsettled as, as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are unstable in everything they do. The enemy wants us to become double-minded. And when you're double-minded, it says you're unstable in all your ways. And you're not going to receive from God. One of the reasons you might be stuck and not moving is you're unstable. You bounce from this to that. This opinion to God. And you're bouncing back and forth and... God says, you're unstable. You're not in faith here. You're not going to receive. You know, cut this one off and stick with God, and then you receive. Because he sees it as disloyalty, or it's a carnal mind with faith, and the two don't mix. 
Because this one is an enemy in opposition to God. You can do that uh, about calling or, or whatever. You know, what has God called you to do? Well, maybe he's called you to be a teacher. And the enemy will say, well, you can't, you can't go to college and be a teacher. And he'll bring up every excuse and everything you can think of. Well, God's called me to this. He'll make a way. You've got to cut the other out. Maybe God has called you to be a writer. Maybe God has called you to save your neighbor. Maybe God has called you to give prayer life again. Maybe God has called you to let the joy of the Lord rise up within you. The joy of your salvation to where you get contagious again. Maybe God has called you to let your light shine to those co-workers of yours that don't know you're even a Christian. Maybe God has called you to save your marriage. Maybe God has called you to forgive the abuser. Maybe God has said, forgive your spouse. Maybe God has said, forgive your boss. Don't dismiss it. Apply what God says. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you approve of what they did. God forgave us and he didn't approve of our sin. It doesn't mean you have to go live with them and hang around them. Unless they're your that's your spouse, yes. I'm going to do the back. Okay. Back up on that one a little bit. Okay. James 1.23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, what, he, what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Looking in the mirror of God's word. It's, you know, one of the first things we do when we get up in the morning, hopefully you do, you go to the mirror. You know, something strange happens at night. Yeah, us guys, we go to bed as Brad Pitt. What's wrong with you? And we wake up as Shrek. I mean, it's, it's bad. I'm not going to do the ladies. I'm a wise man. But what do we do? We go to the mirror and you start making some adjustments. You don't want to scare anybody, so you make some adjustments before you go out that door. But see, the Word of God is the same thing. You look in the Word to see the reflection of who you really are and you make adjustments according to that image. And God gives you the power, the grace to change into the image of who you really have been made to be. Hallelujah. God is good. But the problem is we're not looking in the mirror enough and we forget who we are. 
we got to get our mirror out. Get in front of that thing. And start looking and see what God says about us. And who he is. How wonderful he is. Hallelujah. Making myself happy here. Okay. So what's our problem? Our real problem, I think, is we're not fully persuaded. We're not fully persuaded. And we need to be fully persuaded. In Romans 4, 19, talked about Abraham. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Already become dead, being about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. And that the promise of God did not stagger in unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, having given glory to God, having been fully persuaded that what he had promised, he is able to do. I mean, think about this. I mean, Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. I mean, you can just use your imagination with that conversation. Hey, Sarah, uh, come, come here. I, we need to have a little talk. God just told me I'm going to be the father of many nations. I can just imagine uh, Sarah. Oh, is that right? Well, I have a headache. Don't you touch me. I mean, I can just, I can see the whole thing. But the Bible says he didn't waver. He, he became strong in faith and did not even consider the facts. The facts was they were not having a baby in the natural. It was humanly impossible. But the truth overrode and conquered the facts and they had a baby. And the same, we think, well, that's Abraham. The same can happen to you and I. We got to get fully persuaded. We got to get in the word enough to get persuaded. Hallelujah. Okay, closing real quick. A key to understanding truth is that whatever we focus on is what our hearts will believe. Whatever you focus on is what our hearts will believe. Whatever we neglect is what our hearts will disbelieve. What we focus on longer becomes stronger. There was a man that years ago died in a um, rail car, boxcar. The door had shut. He was in a refrigerated boxcar. And he was there for the weekend. They found him dead that Monday morning, frozen to death. But he did not know it wasn't hooked up. But he believed that it was. And he got colder and colder and colder until he froze to death. What you believe is what you get. We focus on our problems. The reason why the truth is impossible in our situation begins to manifest. The result to be our problems become bigger in God. So we keep our minds stayed on the truth of God's word. Nothing is impossible. Keys to being fully persuaded. I will conform to God's kingdom and will not be conformed to the pattern of the world system. We got to understand we're in a different kingdom. We don't operate according to the world system. I'm committed to transformation through the renewing of my mind. 
transformed. And I mean, you can be totally changed. And I, I think about transformation. I think of transformers because uh, Rob and, and Joshua had these transformers. I don't know if anybody remembers those, but I mean, it'd be a robot, you know, type thing. And then it could be changed and transformed into a completely different thing, like a car or a tank <laughs> or a bazooka. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can be changed into a totally different person. I will manifest the will of God in my life. And I've just taken the scripture there. It says, I will prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And the really proving there is mean you're manifesting the will of God. I will meditate on the truth of God's word by speaking, murmuring, pondering, and imagining the truth applied to my life. That's what meditation means. Meditation is the way to really get fully persuaded. You meditate on the word. You, you get in a secret place and you think about that word applied in your life. You imagine it. You ponder on it. You speak it to yourself. I commit myself to the daily process of becoming fully persuaded. It's a process. You're not fully persuaded one time. It's a continual process to get fully persuaded. I will be thankful and give my praise and worship to the Lord in all circumstances, which brings peace to my emotions. Didn't really get into all the scriptures, uh, scriptures behind this, but God has given us something to help with our emotions. It's called praise and worship. Called praise and worship. Music is something that God created that touches the heart. I mean, you can forget about all your troubles getting into worship. Amen? So we do it on purpose. We worship him but because we love him, but it goes deeper than that. It affects our emotions. Something hits you, get in into praise and worship. That's what happened to Dennis Sapala, our elder, when he lost his job. He came to church, he wanted the music up, and he went into just a, a praise and, and worship time. It was a heavy load. He had a family that was he was feeding and taking care of. What did he do? He did that and lifted the emotions. He got in the faith and he came and got a better job. And God took care of him, provided. See, that's our way. That's our way out. You, you stressed out, go get some praise and worship on. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, I'm going I'm to miss the ball game. Come on. I would pray in the Spirit, releasing God's perfect will for my life. Didn't uh, really get into that, but praying in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God on your life. You can't miss it. Wow, what an advantage to have praying in the spirit. I pray most time in the spirit. And you can, if you don't know what that is or you're not filled with the, the Holy Spirit, you can get that today at, at the end when we have prayer partners come up. They can talk to you. It is, it is a blessing. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. Father, we will apply it to our life. We will guard what we hear, what we're around. 
And Lord, we will resist the lies of the enemy and we receive the truth of God's word. And Lord, we want to, through the grace of God and the gift of righteousness, we want to reign in this life. We want to dominate this life. We want to rule in this life. And God, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit teaching us and revealing the word to us. And God, we are yours. And we are your disciples. And we bless your name. Maybe today you need to accept Christ for the first time. Maybe you never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation. You can call upon his name and he will save you. That means when you die and you leave this earth, you go straight to be with him for all eternity. Place called heaven. It's an awesome place. Maybe you've prayed this before, but you realize today you're not right with God. You got some weights and sins, and you need to get right with him. I want you to get in on this prayer too. So either one of those, I want you to lift up your hand. No one looking around. And, and we're going to pray together and not embarrass you. We'll pray together and get this taken care of. Thank you, Lord. Let's all say, repeat this together. Say, Dear Father, thank you for Jesus who died for me, paid the price that I could be a part of the family of God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and your goodness. I believe that Jesus went to a cross took my sins, my shame, and my guilt. He died a death, but he was raised from the dead for me to receive resurrection life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And I give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said... If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.